From WFYI Public Media, this is Intersections, looking at the root causes of violent crime. To calm its rising homicide rate, Indianapolis Public Safety has been trying this big social experiment, reaching deeper into the city's most distressed neighborhoods with services like mental health care, food giveaways, and school mentoring, all topics we've covered so far in this podcast. But will that strategy reach everyone in those neighborhoods? I've been spending a lot of time the last several months with one man that's at risk of falling through the cracks. I met Josh last summer at the mobile food pantry run by Gleaners and the city's public safety department out of a church gym near the corner of 29th and MLK. The food giveaway is one of the ways the city's been trying to build trust and meet needs in neighborhoods with outsized rates of violent crime. At his house a few blocks from the church, the blinds are drawn. The front door window is covered in duct tape. It's hot and the fan is cranked. He's watching an Adam Sandler movie while his one-year-old daughter sits in a car seat on the floor. I stayed to myself, man. So anyway, you gonna survive longer around her. Stay to yourself, That's how you gonna live longer. Josh is 23 and lives with his grandmother on an unfrequented street across from the highway. He's short on words and often on specifics. I'm only using his first name because he admitted to a lot of criminal misdoings over several interviews with him. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I was young, I did a lot of um, bad stuff, but you gotta turn around from that. I mean, I ain't gonna just look you there in your face and say, I ain't never did nothing wrong, but yeah, I done did some crime. I mean, like any other person would do. In Josh's neighborhood, homicides and shootings happen at rates eight times higher than the city average. Residents here complain of vacant houses ignored by the city and long-gone businesses, decades of economic disinvestment, and the legacy of racist lending practices like redlining have taken their toll. Unemployment rates are higher, and educational attainment is lower than the rest of Indy. A quarter of its residents, including Josh, don't have a high school diploma. He dropped out of school and into crime. How did I get involved in the crime life? Well, I grew up around it, so when I was young, I just wanted to be like like the drug dealers out there. I wanted to ride in the big car they had, the rims, the money. He is thinking more about his future and his daughters. He's trying to finish school, and he says he stays away from the stealing he did when he was younger. Not always the case for his friends. Some of them, you know, some of them do what they do, but some of them change from it, some of them still doing what they do. But it's all how life depends on you, so I ain't trying to dial nowhere around her. I want to die from a natural cause where the person just shoot me or something. Josh owns a gun. He says he's only used it once, when he was a bystander in a drive-by shooting, but fired back. If I step out that door, like, sometime, like, I'm waking up and stuff, yeah, I'm going to carry a pistol with me. Because you never know. I ain't going to lie, I still hang out on the streets, but I, carry the, I keep the pistol on me every night. When I go outside at nighttime, you never know. People out here are just scandalous, so you got to think. Either going to be you or him. He's had a few stints in county jail, mostly for missed court dates after being caught driving without a license. Job prospects for Josh are minimal. There are few employers in the neighborhood, and he lacks the necessary education and skills to get a good job. He does a mix of things to make money, all of them under the table. You know, it's all types of ways. You ain't got to sell dope to make money, though. It's all types of ways around you make money. I do what I got to do to make money. Even if it's, I got to sell dope, I got to do what I got to do. He mows lawns and does other odd jobs. His grandmother lends him spending cash. But he says he also sells drugs and that he keeps women, often older women, company for money. He 
He was cagey about just what that entails, but eventually admitted sometimes those interactions lead to sex. It depends. I don't consider myself no prostitute, though. Josh talks about finding a good job, but he knows the things he does won't help him. Unless you got a degree that say you done did a, uh, you did a good job at criminalizing and stuff, we're going to give you a degree in it. <laughs> it's impossible to get a degree in this. And he dreams about moving to the suburbs and raising his daughter in a better environment. Because I want my daughter, like, growing up and she's seeing a lot of drugs and all that. She want to grow up and, like, oh, I want to be like that. I want to ride around with cars and tubes and all that. I don't want my son, if I have a kid or another kid or something like that, I don't want them growing up and seeing that, thinking it's okay. Josh doesn't get along well with the mother of his daughter, and sometimes he goes months without seeing her. Josh's father wasn't around much when he was growing up, so his mom and grandmother mostly raised him. I wouldn't want to be a dad. My dad couldn't be like one of the, uh, the white dads. You know, they take their son to the ball game. I want to take my daughter to the beautician. And... You know, do have good times. He's tried to find work through employment agencies, but he'd failed the drug screens because he smokes pot. This new approach for public safety includes more than just police, but also churches, nonprofits, and health and social services. Still, the question remains, what can it do for a guy like Josh, who wants to better his life, but doesn't trust the police? I went to a church basement a few blocks from Josh's home one weeknight with that question, where the church and city's Department of Public Safety are hosting an open house to bring city and community services to neighborhood residents. Troy Riggs is here. He designed the focus area approach and is now chief of the Indianapolis police. I posed the situation of Josh to him, and Riggs says that lifestyle is all too likely to end tragically. Riggs was glad Josh took advantage of the food giveaways last summer. And maybe we need to talk more about job opportunities in those wraparound services. So what what he's dealing with, we have to do a better job as a department, and I think our community has to do a better job as well. I also asked the church pastor, John Gurton, how you get a guy like Josh to show up to an event like this. What does it? Building trust, right? Because they've had so many people that made promises that haven't kept their promises. I'm talking about people that said that they loved them. Gurton says community leaders like himself need to get out of the church and to the young men and women in the neighborhood. And I have to remind that 23-year-old that guess what? One day you're going to be 33. And another day you're going to be 43. And so you have to ask, ask the question of yourself, do I want to be doing at 33 what I'm doing at 23? Because if you don't, then the only way to change your future is to start right now. As I've checked in with Josh over the past several months and asked how he's been, his usual answer is same old thing. The Focus Area Initiative is still in its infancy, not yet two years old. Its mission is to not be the same old thing for fighting crime, but whether it can reach everyone remains to be seen. Intersections is a project of WFYI Public Media in Indianapolis. You can find all of our previous reporting at wfyi.org intersections. I'm Ryan Delaney. Thanks so much for listening.